Welcome to Church with Dad, the podcast that celebrates the ministry of a father whose life was drastically altered with a diagnosis of early-onset dementia. Unaltered are his timeless words, spreading the good news of faith, hope, and unfailing love, the things that are unchangeable, which will one day make all things new. The 13th chapter of Luke is the source of today's gospel and sermon. It was originally recorded on March 3, 2013, and helps create episode 6 of Church with Dad. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the gospel you just heard, Jesus asks two questions that are terribly relevant in light of recent examples of terrorism, of bombings, of natural catastrophes, even sinkholes of all things. And in response to the latest buzz about two Jews who were killed by the Romans, whose blood was mingled with sacrifices and other offerings, Jesus asks this question, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? And he goes on to address that recent public tragedy of the 18 killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? I think we could ask the same question about the poor man who in his house went to bed and the hole opened up and unfortunately it appears he has lost, he has died. What was his sin? Was it going to bed? He simply went to bed and lay down and the bottom fell out of the house. 
Do we think that he was a worse offender than the others living in his community? In other words, Jesus addresses the unasked question that's too often on our minds, if not on our lips. And it is the question of law and judgment, of grace and judgment and law. Who is responsible for this horror? We want to know. And it's a question that usually follows with, so what did these people do to deserve such suffering and death? I remember once being, when I was working as a chaplain in the hospital, being called down to a room for a woman who had just been given a terminal diagnosis of brain cancer. And when I came in to her room, she was very, very distraught. And after a while, simply sitting with her and listening, she shared with me the real source of her distress. I shouldn't say the real source, but it was a big piece of it. Not just the cancer, but the question from a clergy person who had come to see her and who asked, we will, first thing we have to do is find out what you did wrong to have this happen. This is the question of our text today. This is the thing that Jesus is facing into. Okay, I know that sounds harsh and stuff, but it is a question that we find ourselves dealing with, and not just in extraordinary situations or places like hospitals, but we find it in the lives of our families as children go off the rails. All too often they do. As relationships fray and tatter as they often do in all of these things we ask the questions of why and usually the answers as it was for the woman in the hospital are not very satisfactory in fact they make things worse what Jesus is bringing to us this morning is something a very different view as different as the law and the gospel there are laws that guide us in how we live and how we judge right and wrong. And there are also times of grace and mercy. And what Jesus, Jesus is laying out for us here is that most of the time we get the sequence wrong. We think about these issues of judgment, especially our own judgment on others and their judgments on us and say, as this guy did in the hospital, well, let's figure out what went wrong, and then we'll fix it. What Jesus is saying is, if we think that way, we've got it backwards. God's grace precedes God's judgment. And that is why he, we can say, as the psalmist said, the Lord is merciful slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That's the proclamation that we need to hear before we jump to judgment or before we try to understand the judgment of others on us. In other words, even with the case of the sinkhole, who do you blame? 
I mean, the ground fell out from under. Nobody had anything to do with it actually happening. And yet we want to find out. We want a name. We want the name of the engineering company that built the house so we can sue the out of them. Those are our responses. But in the process of doing that, we completely miss what God is up to. His grace and his mercy are there from the beginning. It was before Adam and Eve made that really bad decision. God had created a creation founded on grace, a wash in mercy, and any anger that appeared was slow indeed because the love of God held all in his hands. I think why we struggle with this has something to do is that we live in fear of judgment, hoping, now looking back on our lives, that we were good enough to get sent to the right place. When the truth is that we were not, are not, and never will be good enough to stand before God by our own merits. Why? Ask Adam and Eve. Do you think it was a coincidence then that today Jesus tells a story about a man who had a fig tree planted in his vineyard? Do you think it's a coincidence that Jesus' words of grace and judgment concerning the daily events of his time, literally ripped from the headlines, as they like to say on TV shows, do not these things probe deeply into our desire to judge others before we think? of speaking a gracious word, a forgiving word, a merciful word. A couple of years ago, I was doing some thinking about what I wanted to do with some apple trees in our yard. Not fig trees, apple trees. Um, The problem was that they weren't bearing very well anymore. My father-in-law and I had planted them the, about the second week we'd moved into the house out here. And they'd done great for a few seasons. And then they started slowly not being so great. And I would stand out in the yard and I kind of did one of a sort of a Homer Simpson forehead slap and said, oh, look at these cottons and popples that have grown up like weeds and are now shading out the apple trees. The problem wasn't the apple trees. The problem was the the popples and the cottonwoods. And it was important for more than just what the the apple trees bore. It was important because it was a mark of our beginning to live a new life in that place and at that time. And we planted those trees as a sort of a thanksgiving for what God had done in bringing us here. And uh, we finally decided that we were going to have to thin out the maple or the uh, popple and the cottonwood. Apparently we didn't do it well enough (laughs) because we're still having trouble with those trees. But the deer have as much to do with that as anything. The fact is, though, that they were worth the effort. They were worth the trouble. 
that the judgment is just saying, well, heck, we can go buy apples in the grocery store. We don't need these things. But there was more in there than just the fruit. There was that sense of place. There was that sense of God being present in our lives at a crucial moment when we moved out from the Twin Cities and came here. You know, the gardener in this story begs for a stay of execution, which is kind of interesting because he should know best of all what's good to stay and what's not. Clearly, I didn't know either of those things because we still had problems. But the fact is, when he says, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it, is that not a word of grace and mercy? Give it some time. Let's see what happens. Maybe it needs one more opportunity, one more chance. That's what God is up to constantly, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The fig trees in the story don't need tending or fertilizer. So what the gardener is doing here is really extraordinary. It's above and beyond the call. And it's a labor of love, an act of grace. It's not that the owner is being unfair or harsh in his judgment to cut him down, but that the gardener is merciful. And I think you can guess who the owner and the gardener are. They're both God. The owner is the God of judgment, the God of steadfast love as well. The gardener is the God of grace and mercy as well. And you can call them God the Father and God, or God the Son. And you could make an argument that they're both God the Son. In fact, you might remember at the end of the Easter story, when the newly risen Christ appeared to Mary Magdalene outside the tomb, the empty tomb, who did Jesus come before her as? Who did she think he was? She thought he was the gardener. And it only t- it took his word to change what she was seeing. I think you could even make a case that the Holy Spirit's at work in the digging and feeding of the soil in this story. But the truth is, it is God. And God calls us to act in our lives first out of grace and mercy and love. And on that grace and mercy and of love, we can make judgments that are true to the will of God and not to our own desires or wishes or pet peeves. This story today calls us to something much larger. In a sense, we do repent. We turn our lives around. And when we turn our lives around in repentance, we find ourselves being gracious and merciful first and judgmental later. That's the good news for today. Even sinkholes can't gobble that good news up. That God is merciful and his judgment is something that we can look to with hope and with trust, not fear. May God bless you all as you turn from judgment to love in this 
Lenten season. Amen.